Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Now, before we get into the positives of the week, let's start with the negatives and just get them out of the way. So, Arsene Wenger, aka The Zipper, thanks to his elongated feminine jackets, has unfortunately retired. Yes, Chelsea fans, it's going to be nearly impossible to shit harder on Arsenal without Wenger at the forefront of their annual mediocrity. Um, many pundits many pundits have alluded to the fact that you know it was long overdue and that he should have left long ago, but I beg to differ. Let him stay. Wenger in. Hell, I'm sure Roman Abramovich will even cover the wages if it means he manages Arsenal for the foreseeable future. So let's just take a second to offer a moment of silence for the terrible loss of one sad, miserable old man. Arson, Chelsea fans will miss you. Anyways, back to real football. <laughs> three wins in a row, Zach. Three wins in a row. Thanks to our big, beautiful Frenchie, Olivier Giroud. And thank you for uh, thank you for that, Arson Wenger, by the way. And also the return of Hazard. You know, he's back to creating magic in the final third. Um, the Blues marched past a scrappy Burnley side last Thursday and kept the momentum going against Southampton in the FA Cup semifinal. So now that the Blues have cu- have a cup final, how do we prioritize the league? Are we feeling optimistic about this FA Cup final against United? Um, all that, plus much more on this episode of Roman's Empire Podcast. Zach, thank you so much for letting me do the intro. How do you think that went? That was uh, that was very nice. I like the little uh, added the 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 zipper the, the zipper, zipper comment. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah, that, it's that, great. That's, you're the one who told me that nickname, and I just ever since I think the moment you told me that I died, then I just can't believe that it's taken this long. Um, and just just the fact you know, those those jackets are so long. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> it's very unnecessary, huh? Yeah, I, and once he I, retires, I feel like like zipper companies if they even exist their stocks are gonna crash for sure so we got it just seems like it seems like overkill to me like like i feel like those jackets have like their own like personal air conditioning systems and lobbies (laughs) they're just so like extremely large for no apparent reason it's just like you're literally gonna go there and sit on the bench and just look sad and miserable the whole entire match like why why look miserable as well like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. I guess uh, an air conditioning Yeah, we're going to miss him. I think I guess an air conditioning unit inside of a jacket sounds pretty counterproductive, but you know, that's that's also describes the way Arsenal's been the past 5 plus years counterproductive. Um but <laughs> nice but, thank you. Um but moving on from um cuz you know, we we got to step away from the mediocrity that is Arsenal and start talking about the incredibleness that is Chelsea football. Um, this is we're we're seeing a completely different tune, and why is that? Because we're on a three-game win streak, Zach. I did not see this coming. Even though we're playing against some poor competition, it's nice to be back in our winning ways. So let's get into this first uh, match against Southampton. Um, so let's get into our striker. Um, so before before we get into this, I saw this really funny tweet. I think you retweeted it on our account. It was it was roses are red. What was it roses are red, violets are blue. Like fuck 
the false nine. Let's stick with Drew. Something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, that was such a long time ago. Wow. I think. Little... I think that. No, I, I, I like saw, that. I saw it this week. I thought. I think it was sometime this week that you retweeted that. I don't know. It might have just popped into my was head. It, it, it might have been. But uh, it might have been uh, one of those one of those nights where I just log on to the good old Twitter and retweet. Yeah. Anything uh-huh. that makes me feel good at the time. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously not as a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's he's scored a ridiculous goal. Um, fancy footwork, obviously. Um, Messi-esque, scored fifteen right? goals. It, it it was messy esque, and you know, I'm not even gonna, yeah, I'm not he, gonna he's just right he's just a he's just an FA Cup player. Like he's a, he's a great backup striker to have, and you know. It, I saw a stat where he scored 15 goals and assisted seven in his 26 total FA Cup appearances. So, nice. you know, 18 million for a 31-year-old, yeah, I mean, it was worth it. And what he's done to the club since he came has just been a huge reason why we're slowly getting back into some type of decent form. And, you know, we talked about leaders on the team in terms of performances, and, and we often bring up guys like uh, like Azpilicueta, guys like N'Golo Kante, um hazard when he's on top of his game but this season we really haven't had a consistent uh leader in terms of in-game performances since diego costa left and mm-hmm. it just seems like Giroud just completely embraced that role and is doing doing all with it i mean he, he he gives us all the intangibles i mean basically all the things that don't show up on the stat sheet he provides and you know it, it, it all starts with his defensive contribution his enthusiasm when the other team has the ball to win it back is never say die attitude. And, you know, it, one thing that I personally adore about the guy and, and something that you really um, find rarely in a player is that never say die attitude when there's a 50-50 ball. Giroud just always seems to be in and around where the action is. He always wants to win the ball back for his team and retain possession. And I just, I just think it's sad that Arsenal were so quick to pull the plug on him. I mean, obviously, if somebody offers you $18 million for a 31-year-old, you know you're gonna listen to offers, but and it's not like you cannot short, tell me it's that not, he. It's not like they're short at the striker position. I mean, no, no, and and that's the thing. I mean, they went and splashed fifty million on Lacazette, who's you know essentially a backup striker now to to Aubameyang. I mean, mm-hmm. and and it's just it's sad that he was underappreciated in Wenger's eyes because you know he's he's phenomenal. I mean, the job he's done since he's come to the club has just been amazing and. I know that the fan cast alluded to it, and and I kind of agree with them. He is sort of becoming a cult favorite now. And I know when when I'm watching the matches at home, and I see you know Giroud in the starting eleven, or I see him coming on as a, late in the game as a sub, um, you know I get excited. Mm-hmm. He, he's that type of player that you would love to watch. And I I will honestly be shocked if he uh, if he keeps playing like this and just doesn't get a call up for the World Cup. I mean. Didier Deschamps loves himself uh, some Olivier Giroud, and I think, uh, you know, considering the fact that Benzema's been shit this season, I think Giroud could definitely be their impact sub. I think we all love a little bit of Giroud. Um, so let's 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 talk a little bit about our other striker, uh, Morata. Obviously, he was left frustrated after that Burnley match, where you know he missed a clear one v one opportunity, just another chance where he messed up. Um, he's stormed off the pitch in frustration. Terribly messed up. Yeah. <laughs> he stormed off the pitch in frustration and, you know, threw a bit of a hissy fit. Um, and he had this to say after the Burnley match. 
Three important points for us. The best way to get ready for Sunday's game was winning today. I want to apologize for my reaction when I was sent to the bench. When I fail, I get really angry with myself. Um, and Murata, you're not alone. I get very angry at you too. <laughs> so, Zach, what did you make I think of this everybody reaction? Does. Yeah. I, I tweeted the second he walked off, and I said that's exactly what I want to see out of him. I mean, he did play well in that game, and and he did his movement was great. His link up play with Giroud was great. He was it was constantly causing havoc and making runs and creating space for Giroud to operate. And you know, you're looking at his job um, in perspective and. A striker really only has one job, and he has to score goals. And I know he hasn't set the world alight with his goal scoring, but for him to come off a decent performance like that um, and, and make those comments and have that reaction while he's walking off the pitch, it just shows that he's hungry. And you know, it, it shows that he wants to do better. And I honestly found it refreshing because he hasn't really – taken responsibility for his performances all season you know he, he's always falling on the floor and blaming the ref and you know throwing these little these little on-field hissy fits and, and, and getting mixed up with center backs and this is exactly what the fans wanted to see in here you know it's something we could get behind seeing someone that frustrated after putting in a decent performance because he did not play poorly by any stretch of the imagination and seeing him that frustrated, you know, because obviously he didn't put the ball in the back of the net is just something that Chelsea fans really wanted to see. Basically, we just wanted to see him um, give a shit, mm -hmm. and clearly he did after the game. Yeah, and uh, but he and clearly his response, you know, coming into the Southampton game, um, he scored a vintage Dave Tamarada header this weekend, and arguably could have had two. Um, you tweeted last week that he needed to learn how to channel that aggression into motivation, and he seemed to do that when he came on for Giroud. Do you agree? Yeah, completely. And uh, Diego Costa at first was just terrible at maintaining his composure in his first season at Chelsea. And, you know, when things didn't go his way, we saw – or when things started to go his way, you know, we saw what type of striker he became for us and – you know, I tweeted about it after the match. I said if Murata, you know, learns how to how to channel his frustration into motivation, he's going to be a hell of a player. And you know, obviously he's a different striker to Diego Costa, but you know, against Southampton, I mean, you saw a Murata that we haven't seen all season. I mean, he just looked hungry. You know, the, the energy defensively, the the willingness to fight and scrap. Um, he wasn't complaining too much to the referee and he was getting into great positions. He was staying positive, um, running off the back shoulder of the fenders, just causing all types of problems. And I mean, again, we saw, you know, as Piliqueta play that diagonal ball into the box. Mm -hmm. And it's been a long time. We missed that. You definitely. Missed yeah, that. we did. And, and it's, it's a beautiful little combination that they have because that, that glancing header that Maratha does at the far post is just, it's but unbelievable I, I to watch. I do think that that teams specifically, um, they 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 play, they knew that 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 play was coming, so they would you know defend like position themselves to avoid that. And I think since we haven't done it in so long, teams kind of forgot about it, you know. So well, that's... well, we saw we saw Burnley closing down on Aspilicueta a lot when he got into good positions. I mean, obviously, you know, we we had Giroud and Morata in there, so. Burnley was was very wary of that, and I think the first match against Southampton was the same thing, but in this game, they just seemed to switch off because their defense is totally crap, 
And, you know, the one chance Aspie had a little bit of green grass to to just kind of push the ball in front of him and play that ball, and he did it excellently. And right, if that's even a word, but, you know. Excellently is definitely a word. Excel, excellently. He did it with excellence. There <laughs> you go. And, uh, you know, it's – I just think – and going back to my point is if, if, if Murata does tend to get it together, um, you know, for long stretches of time, him and Hazard are, are just a force to be reckoned with. Because you got two guys who are incredibly mobile who can hurt you in different ways. And if we could just get a consistent run of form, we could really see what that partnership could develop into. And I just think it's unfair to say what it could develop into now just because we really haven't seen Murata, for one, with a full season in the Premier League under his belt. And two, um, a season where he's been consistent. Yeah, you know, I think the more time has passed, uh, I think my perception of Marata and Bakioko as well has kind of switched a little bit. I understand it's their first year, and not everyone can dominate the Premier League in their first year. And maybe they won't be, you know, top three, top five players in the league, or you know, something that for some reason all Chelsea fans expect from every player that they get. But I think uh, with the change of situation, given, I mean, um, namely taking out. Uh, Di- uh, I don't know, I almost said Diego Costa, I meant to say um, Antonio Conte, but with a change uh, of, you know, manager, and I think that changing our whole system next season, we're going to see them develop into, you know, great players, especially since, you know, how old is Morata? He's like 24 years old, and Bakioka yeah. is 23 years old, um, so there's still a lot of time to develop these guys, and I think that, you know, when, when we see flashes, you like like Murata shows and sometimes Bakioko not not as much but you know Bakioko I, I give him his he's he's way more raw but we see flashes from Murata and I know that eventually if if the right manager uh, is able to harness that he'll become a great player um I think I think Murata definitely needs a type of manager that's going to put his arm around him and say you know chin up you, mm-hmm. you'll get him next time Antonio Conte is definitely not that manager. I mean, if, <laughs> if you fuck up once, you basically get the axe. I mean, yeah. we've seen it with Danny Drinkwater, who's just Conte just doesn't he's like, he's see him as back. good enough. We're gonna go back to wait. We have Danny Drinkwater on our team. <laughs> and I, but but it's but that's the thing. Antonio Conte, if if he has anything against you, he'll he won't hesitate to pull you out of the squad. And you know, he sees something in Murata because every time Murata is healthy. He gets a run out, whether it's off the bench for the last 10 or 15 minutes or whether it's, you know, a, a start. And it's a uh, it, – I think – and going back to your point because you did make a great point about, you know, maybe managing our expectations on these players in terms of how quickly they're going to develop and when, are, when they're going to start actually producing because we saw it this past week. You got guys like Kevin De Bruyne, guys like Lukaku – Guys like Mohamed Salah and, and and even Ryan Bertrand to to an extent. And, and you look at all these players and you think to yourself, how the fuck did Chelsea let them go? And it's because we weren't patient with them. Mm-hmm. It's because we didn't nurture them. And I think, to be fair, um, for for the most part at least, we, re- we, re- we really didn't get to see Lukaku play that much for us. Um, Ryan Bertrand was just completely beyond me considering the fact that he just won the Champions League playing out of position. Um, but you know, going back to De Bruyne and Salah, I mean, they weren't good at all. 
um, when they played for us. I mean, and people how people can you are even really say quick. That we, we, I feel like we never like Jose Marino never played them. We couldn't even tell if they were he, bad or not. He gave he gave a decent run out to Mohamed Salah. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne. I, I remember De was at that time. I'm sorry, but that he would play Andreas Scherla like way over De Bruyne, and like I was like, oh, is Scherla gonna be that next guy? Like. And, I liked Sherla. I was sad when he left, actually. I mean, but he's just – he can't even compare Andrei no, no, to Brian No, no, obviously, now. obviously. They're in two different classes, but that's the thing is maybe being patient and maybe not axing a player just because one manager that came in said, you know, he's not good enough. Maybe he's not good enough yet. Let's nurture the talent. Let's harness the talent. Let's keep him on the squad. Let's keep him around the first team. Let's give him chances and little bursts and see if we see any flashes and – with Mohamed Salah, I know he got a decent run out at times, and and you know he he just didn't perform well, and maybe it had to do it had a lot to do with Mourinho, obviously, but and it's just a lack a, of patience. And now you he scored forty three goals in one season. I mean, here's the thing: oh, we dude. brought in Salah, we so brought in bad. Salah after he scored a double against us when he played for Basel in the Champions mm-hmm. League, and yeah, and, and and we tend to buy players that <laughs> that hurt us and. Going from the Swiss League to the Premier League, you can't expect a player to blow up in the first season. Like it's just, it's 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 unfair to the player, and and it's unfair to the manager that's managing them. It's just unfair to everybody. It's a lose lose situation all around. I mean, very very rarely you see someone hit the ground running, and that's that's the point I'm trying to get at. Is mm-hmm. we need to be patient with Murata. We need to be patient with Bakayoko, and, and and sooner or later they will come good. I'm completely confident. That both of them will come good at some point, and Chelsea fans will be kicking themselves. Yep, just like how we've done with so many other players. Um, so let, let I want to last person I want to talk about for this match is Emerson because um, he made his first Premier League start against Burnley, and you think he did very well both offensively and defensively with his work rate and his running, and you know also he started against Southampton and you know looked extremely comfortable. Um, we know he came off of a long-term knee injury when we purchased him, so it's safe to say we all knew Conte would ease him into the side, but it looks like he's a quality player, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, as much crap as we give the board for not backing Conte, this this Emerson purchase just reeks of someone that Conte stressed to the board that he needs. I mean, he just seems like a, like, like a Conte type of player, and he, you said it, he has an incredible work rate, and the wit he creates and, and, and the supporting runs that he makes when we're in possession is um, it, it, it's second to none. And it's very Alonzo-esque in that sense. And th- the one thing I like about him the most is that he has a wicked left foot. And that's something that he, we didn't even cover very much when, when we first purchased him, when I did my little scouting report. I mean, all we really knew was that he was a pacey winger who was – a pacey wing back, excuse me who loved to run at defenders with the ball at his feet. And I, and we saw flashes of it. He's very, very good technically, um, but he could also whick, whip in a heck of a cross. And I think the second goal against Burnley was a result of his cross. I think it was Giroud tried to scorpion it, oh, yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. just failed miserably, and it went straight to Victor Moses, and he just smashed it. But, you know, his age, I mean, a, a, along with his transfer fee, it, it, it's a bargain. I mean, for a 23-year-old, yeah. he's only going to get better. And I I personally love having him on the squad, specifically as a project player that we could look forward to in the future. And 
and hopefully he stays fit and whoever the next manager is hopefully gives him a run out as well and I just think from here he only gets better and and, and the only way is up and can you imagine if uh, Roma held on to him that like and the way that they're playing right now in Champions League I know that they lost 5-2 but I mean still like they they've been playing at a high level I mean semifinals of Champions League is pretty insane um and yeah, yeah he thought he was going to a better club and uh <laughs> Little did he know. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh let's let's move on to uh the second part of our sh- episode. So our priorities um as far as silverware or I mean just one option can end with silverware this season. So obviously <laughs> we move on to the cup final in May um against United. Last this is our last chance to win a trophy this season. Um if it were to happen I think it would make this sour season somewhat sweet, you know, especially if we can prevent Jose Mourinho from winning another piece Ooh, of silverware for United. Some, some, that would just be an added bonus. Some quality alliteration in there. Yeah. Some sour season somewhat sweet. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Second to very nice. Basically, you know, based on our current run of, uh, current run of form, how optimistic are you in the terms of uh, the cup final against United? Uh... See, this is a this is an interesting question because, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, I would be much more optimistic if we were a more consistent and scrappy side. Um, but to be honest with you, I'm actually happier that we're playing United in the final as opposed to Spurs. I mean, United is a side that looked suspect against us um, in, in our most recent matches, and even though they beat us um, earlier in the year, you know it. it it didn't look the least bit convincing. I mean, I don't want to bring up terrible memories of Antonio Conte going defensive and not going for the jugular against them, but you know, they are a team that could switch off at times and they've had trouble containing Hazard. And I think now that we added Giroud to the, to the squad, it's just going to add, it's going to give us so much more space in the midfield um, specifically because of his ball retention and his link up play. And, you know, it's, we we've just outclassed United for longer stretches um, with Mourinho as their manager, um, as opposed to the way we've been playing against Tottenham this year. I mean, obviously we beat Tottenham at Wembley, but um, it took a Marcus Alonso double, a two goals from a defender, to beat them. Um, and then the match at the Bridge was the only match I've ever been to in my life, and we got <laughs> spanked. But I'm so sorry. you know. I, it's back back to my point. I just think if we did play Spurs in the final, I mean, they would wipe the floor with us at, at this point. And, you know, they always get up for these matches against us. And, and, and they're starting to figure us out, frankly. And, you know, it, it was almost a double win that United beat them because Spurs are also dropping points in a league as well. And they're winless in their last three matches. So in all competitions. So, you know, they are regressing back to this quote spursy end to the season where they just spontaneously combust yeah believe me we know from firsthand experience uh jose Mourinho, the jose Mourinho managed team that can switch off um so you mentioned the spurs um they did drop points at, at brighton and uh you know the match before that they lost to man city and now this loss to united um they do seem like they're regressing a little bit. So their upcoming the remainder of the schedule, they play Watford at home, they play at West Brom, 
Newcastle at home and then finish off Leicester at home. So we sit five points behind them in the table with the four fixtures left. So on two of these sides, we need to pick up points or at least, you know, let the at least Newcastle does because West Brom will probably be relegated by the time they meet. But, you know, let's let's say they continue their poor run of form, you know, and lose another match. The pressure will surely be on. Um, and I think when you're looking at our upcoming schedule, we have a match against Liverpool. That's our only real strong um, opponent. We also play Swansea, and um, I'll have to check the rest of the schedule. But um, definitely a lot of winnable games. Um, should we prioritize this league in the hopes that the Spurs fuck up, or should we just focus on winning silverware and, and, and this FA Cup? I mean, I I know Spurs usually self-destruct at the end of every season but i look at their schedule and frankly they should be winning all four of those matches while rotating the squad and you know they they play watford who basically has nothing to play for leicester as well where they finish off their season and like you said west brom's probably going to be relegated by the time they play um that is if uh i believe if stoke pick up points at the weekend they'll be officially relegated um and you know it's uh, Stoke has to win, but you know, I mean, they're fighting for their lives, and, and, and right now, I mean, you know, Newcastle might be difficult for them, depending on the results of Newcastle's next two games. If they secure safety, you know, they might take their foot off the gas a little bit. But I just don't see Spurs fucking up again. I think this little three-match um, winless streak, um, the loss to City, the loss to United, and and the draw against Brighton was probably the peak of their fuck up this season and yeah I, I i would i would prioritize a silverware i mean we talked about this before i love the fa cup and i rate it as a tournament i i rate it in terms of entertainment and you know obviously i'm not from the uk and and people from the uk tend to have a bit more of an affinity to the competition but look i love it and i think any piece of silverware is a piece of silverware and we should go after it and always prioritize silverware over anything because I mean, that's what makes us a great club. And, you know, Chelsea fans just deserve something after the shit season the players and the, and, and, and the manager have given us. And mm-hmm. I, it would just be a new low if we lose the cup final two years in a row, won the Wenger and won the Mourinho back-to-back. Yeah. So, so for that reason, I would completely prioritize the FA Cup. I mean, I just think it's foolish if we don't. And, and fuck it, give the kids a run out in the league. I mean, I, I, I frankly don't give a fuck at this point. You know, it's it's basically a lost cause. So, you know, w- we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think if we even if we we do make Champions League next year, it doesn't seem like we'll make much of an impact there. Um, so our our last four matches: Swansea, Liverpool at home, uh, Huddersfield at home, and then the last game at St James Park and uh, at Newcastle. Um, so I do think we could win, I mean, especially if Newcastle is in the clear, um, they might play it easy. That's our last match. Um, and then the Liverpool is the only other one that I'm worried about. Um, I think we can definitely finish the season with, you know, like 13 points out of those, um, the 15 or sorry, out of the, yeah, 16 possible. Good math. Um, so I don't know. I think that for me, the FA Cup is, I think when Chelsea wins, it's the most important cup in the world. 
um, when Arsenal wins, I'm like, oh, it's just the FA Cup. Who cares? You know, so it depends how I rate that cup depends on who wins it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I would love I think that, you know, making making a run for fourth place would not be nearly as satisfying as um, winning a cup, especially against Jose Mourinho. It would hurt really badly to get like you said back-to-back years first year losing to wenger and then Josie Mourinho, like that's definitely not something i want um but i think i think both of i think our priorities are definitely a check um so let's go to this our uh, last part we, we preview the swansea match um we say it here all the time teams in danger of regulation at this point of the season they are the most dangerous um right now they're three points above the drop zone in 17th place um, they are winless in their last five Premier League matches. Since 2011, they've only managed to win at Liberty Stadium twice. Okay. They're a bogey team. So what do you need to do to win? I mean, they're a bogey team to say the least. Um, look, I mean, we, we talk about this every week and it's such a recurring theme, but I, I think it's incredibly important, especially against the Swansea side. If we don't score early against, you know, these lower uh, bottom half of the table teams or the teams that are fighting for relegation, if we don't put a goal away early, those teams usually grow in confidence and they give us a run. Mm-hmm. Um, look what Southampton did. I mean, obviously we failed to score early. They, they, you know, basically almost committed a, a, a smash and grab against us until we brought on a, the beauty that is Olivier Giroud. Um, but, you know, I, like you said, they're just in a poor run of form and. They got absolutely demolished 5-0 at the Etihad earlier in the week. So considering, you know, how embarrassingly poor they were um, last match, they're going to come out strong and they're going to want to remedy that and redeem themselves. So, um, you know, they're also going to be wary that Southampton is is playing Bournemouth. And uh, Southampton's actually the team in 18th right behind them, three points back, and Bournemouth has nothing to play for, so Southampton's going to go for the jugular in that match as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 very it, it's just a tricky fixture overall, and it just seems like whenever we play Swansea, it always just seems like ugh, we're playing Swansea at the worst time. Like every single time that we get Swansea in our schedule, I always think to myself, "Wow, this is the worst time." Um, but you know, scoring first will definitely damage their confidence and. You know, it, it, it'll, it'll put their backs on the, against the wall. And one thing that they have struggled with all season is scoring goals, um, especially without Tammy Abraham because, you know, he can't play against his uh, parent club. But, you know, if, if we could put a goal past them early, the game will definitely open up because now they have to go for it. And I just don't think they have enough firepower to punish us. And, you know, hopefully at that point we could we – could, put in another goal or two and just kind of put the game to bed and, and, and focus on the next one. You know, just last month they were sitting in 13th place, um, looking like they were kind of in the clear. But since then, uh, three draws and two losses. Um, but the two losses coming to Man United and Man City. Um, so I, you can't really say that they're in that poor of a form. I think it's just because the bottom – that the bottom uh, of the table is so close to each other that um, you know they're they any any loss can can drop you like three spots you know 
Um, so they're definitely going to be on their best, best behavior this game. Um, I think that Morata needs to score another goal. Um, Ooh, that's a good shout. I, I think it's, I don't think it's crucial that he scores in terms of us, you know, pulling off a result and beating them, but, oh my God, it will help his confidence so much. If he can get a goal here against Swansea, um, given the circumstances, um, of him scoring last week, um, after coming off of, of another poor performance against Burnley and, um, Oh, I like this performance then, against Burnley. But I mean, still he he did he did play okay, but it's just the reaction at the end was and he had he he had those missed chances, but you know, it's just you didn't, it was, you didn't like the reaction? No, I'm I'm just saying he was frustrated and him coming back from it is Oh, yeah, from, it, from his perspective, right. it's a poor perf- yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, from okay. his perform from his perspective as far as his confidence because I think he was at a he was at a low point against Burnley, super frustrated with his play because he, mm-hmm. he we, we've seen him so many times come close to scoring and having so many chances where he should I mean, he should have probably this season eight or nine more goals than he does right now throughout the quarter of the season because I of think that's fair. Missed, yeah. missed chances or being offside, like barely offsides. Like, you know, it he would have eight or nine more goals. Um, so it's definitely frustrating given the fact that, you know, the the reputation that he has, the, the, the background of him being one of the highest paid uh, transfers this season um, and also – just our highest of all time yeah for chelsea at least um and you know just him playing for such a big club that has struggled after winning the premier league last year i think that and also replacing diego costa who had an amazing season last year i think a lot of that he wanted to perform really well and um this was not a good season for him at all um so finishing off with another goal um and you know obviously he has he has more chances uh i don't know we will talk about we'll talk about when we get close to the fa cup but i I still don't know if he's our best 11 um striker at this moment i i do still prefer seeing Giroud start but i think it's possible that um, a change in form in these last couple matches will might change Antonio conte's mind and mine as well it's always good to have um, two strikers in form going into a cup final. I mean, that's a good problem to have, isn't it? You know, yeah. that that'll allow Conte to either bring one on as a sub to be an impact player, um, an inform impact player, or it, it'll give him the option to start two up front again. Because I I actually really like the look of that. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see. I I think it's definitely a good shot if he scores. Um, God only knows what what that'll do to his confidence, you know, scoring in a cup final and then, you know, immediately the, the next or a cup semifinal and then scoring again in a in a match right after that. So, um, I think it'll be good for him. I, I think it's I think it's time we go into predictions and usually, recently, Sam, this has been a this has been the part of the podcast where we, where we uh, hesitate and 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 where lately Man, we so uh, refuse right now, to refuse to predict. So. But I'm so well, confident I'm right now, man. This is this team is on fire. What's your confidence telling you? It's it's telling me that we're gonna shut them out. We're not gonna let them score, and we're gonna put up three or four goals. So I think three three or four to zero. Wow. Yeah. yeah see, I'm, I'm going three 0 Okay. I'm going three 0 I think I think Hazard gets one. Um, 
but I want to see Murata. Uh, I would really the love other... to see Murata score. Uh, hey, in a perfect world, you know, Hazard and Murata just absolutely tear them apart. So and I want to see one Emerson assist. Oh, oh, that's a good shout. Yeah, Murata's good Up in the air. Emerson has a Emerson's Ooh, pretty good at crossing. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I guess, I guess the main thing is that we just keep the momentum going into this match, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have to pick up the three points. Um, and we just gotta stay. We gotta keep getting these positive results heading into the cup final in May, and then, um, you know, we'll see what happens over the summer. But it was it was a good pod. It was it was nice having a a lighthearted, man, positive podcast man, no, for I, once. I, I feel it? it feels so refreshing, and it's so, it's really sad because I'm pulling up the table on uh, on PremierLeague.com, and it has like a performance chart of like where we've been throughout the season. December 30th at the end of the year we were in second place man we just crushed yeah. Stoke 5-0 and brought that a hat trick moved up to second place in the league and just to think of how we were this year has we were within touching then. distance yeah yeah I mean uh, it's I think Man City was still pretty far ahead of us but it was still it was like a reasonable good time. To, and that's yeah. and, and during that time I I I'm, I miss I miss the way we are we performed. I mean, not I'm not talking about Chelsea. I'm talking about us too. We were we yeah. we perform better when Chelsea performs better. <laughs> I think uh, I think we definitely do. Hey, and we get more views when we when we play better too. So that's always a positive for us. Am I right? Yeah. I or was mean, I not supposed to let everyone else know that? Well, I think we've been getting more views lately. I went th- with the controversy. I think people want to see see what we have to say. Because people people like to hear us vent because that's the way they feel too. But um, how about how about everyone listening right now just listens whether we win or not? Okay, let's 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 agree to that. You guys down? Yeah, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he, here's the thing. You know, we mention it every single podcast, but we cannot thank um, everybody who tweets at us. Um, we we honestly can't thank you enough. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a season of ups and downs, but you know, although um, we do go back and forth, I do go back and forth with a couple of people who have different opinions than I do, and uh, you know, it's just productive banter is 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 what I'm trying to get at basically. As and long as we're we're you all supporting, you know, the the same team, um, we're yeah. all waving the blue flag. Uh, I think that you know everyone's opinion is valid. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just great to hear other people's angles, especially people that, you know, I know listen to the podcast. So um, for those of you that have been tweeting at us, thank you. And uh, for those of you that are thinking about it or that haven't yet, tweet at us. I literally respond to every single yeah, tweet that gets sent our way. Um, so, you know, hit me up. Let, let us know what you think about the podcast. Let us know what you think about a player, the manager, the club in general. Let us know concerns, questions, whatever it may be. Anyways, I don't want to keep ranting. Yeah, and that's at, the that's, end of episode. At, that's at Roman's Empire Pod, by the way. And we broke. Oh yeah. We broke over 300 followers. Um, just yeah, a couple of days yeah, ago, we and we're at 344 now. <laughs> like we broke 300, and then we're almost at 350, like within the same week. So that's pretty. I did. I did go on a little following binge. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> There, hey, we, there oh, were a lot of people out oh, there that, yeah, you that know, ratio is not looking too good <laughs> yeah yeah we got to get the ratio up so uh you know whoever i'm following now obviously i'm not going to unfollow because it's just fucked up I'm, I'm gonna go through and unfollow everyone 
just kidding. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean that that was episode number forty one. Um, we'll see you guys next week, and until then, keep the blue flag flying high.